it does make sense when you look back to it. Like you mentioned before, like had I not been in engineering, I wouldn't have had that motivation to succeed in chemistry. And so like, even though like when you're going through the process, you feel like kind of confused or lost and like you don't know what to do. When you get to the end and you look back, you're like, now you see how everything lines up or like how one thing led you to another thing, which finally led you to where you're supposed to be. Welcome to the Engineer Podcast. That's engineer with a J-E-N because I'm your podcast host, Jen. Now this is a platform meant to add more soul to your STEM career. If you're a STEM student studying in nonstop stress, then listen to Jen's solo style episodes where she uses her five-year engineering degree to teach the inner work that you can do to study from soul rather than stress. And if you're a STEM student seriously questioning your career path, then listen to Jen interview previous engineers who switched from the traditional and aligned with the more soul-centered career field. Now follow me out of the fog and into your future. Let's listen in. Hello everybody! Welcome to episode 11 of the Engineer Podcast. In this episode, we interview Brittany, who is a University of Houston alumnus who entered the university studying chemical engineering, but exited with a degree in chemistry as well as a minor in psychology. In this interview, Brittany showcases that although she was failing her chemical engineering studies, she made sure that she wasn't going to be a failure by choosing and actively deciding to fail forward. And in doing so, she explains the action steps that she took to pivot her major from chemical engineering to chemistry. And in between, she actually also established a non-music major orchestra, which was her favorite outlet for relieving stress during her studies. Secondly, since graduating, she has also established a STEM-related side hustle, which is where she helps scientists and researchers really have the confidence to build their online presence via websites and branding. So if you fit into that category where you really want to show off your research, then please look up BrittanyTrin.com and check out her services where she can help you establish your online presence. Why don't we go ahead and step into the episode? Hey everyone, so today I have Brittany here with me. Say hi, Brittany. Hi. (laughs) So I'm going to have you introduce yourself a little bit. So why don't you give our audience like a small self-introduction of where you're currently at in your STEM journey and a little bit about your background. Hi, I'm Brittany. Um, So I am currently a technical service specialist at a chemical manufacturing company in the research and development department. And I recently graduated in December 2018 from the University of Houston with a BS in chemistry and minor in psychology. And I've also have my side hustle, um, which is branding and web design for scientists, where I help scientists build their online presence. Yes. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that you had the minor in psych too. Yeah. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that was part of the whole um, chemistry pivot, which I guess we can talk about too. Okay, awesome. So as she kind of said, she had this pivot. You were originally a chemical engineering major, right? And then you switched to chemistry So what were your experiences as a chemical engineering student and what were the factors that led you to consider moving away from your original direction? 
Yeah, so I, I started off in chemical engineering, but to be honest, um, when I applied to college, I didn't really know what that entailed. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like the coursework and things like that. I mean, I had an idea that chemical engineering was a practical and stable profession. Mm-hmm. And so then I just ended up in there and I was okay, like the first couple of semesters, but it was when we got to like the actual chemical engineering courses where I was like starting to struggle. I was like, is this, is, is this what it's really going to be like? Yeah. And so I, I thought like, okay, maybe I should drop this course, like retake it. And then I did that. But then when I retook it, I was still like still struggling. And I realized that I thought that I could just like try harder and keep going. But to a certain point, it was not possible because it really affected my grades. I was actually put on academic probation <laughs> because oh of it. Yeah, which is, it was a scary time, to be honest. But uh, that's, that was one of the reasons that kind of led me to pivot to chemistry because it was kind of like a practical decision, but it was also related to what I was doing in my research as well. Yeah. So kind of, I want to dig a little deeper into that. So as this is happening for you, were, so were you typically like a straight A student? Like what did it feel like? And what were you thinking when you started to kind of fall into what you might've perceived as failing so I was like pretty much like a typical straight A student up until that point and I was doing really well and then when I got there to that chem chemical processes that's what it's called Mm -hmm. course, and I was like starting to struggle I started feeling like really bad about myself I was thinking like oh am I just like dumb like I'm a failure I had all these like really, I guess, like self-limiting beliefs about like myself. And I was like really equating my my grades to my self-worth, which is like not the healthiest thing, but it was just something that I was used to like growing up in, you know, with school and everything. Yeah. So it really affected me like mentally. Like I probably had some type of like low grade depression because of it because I was always worried about like how I was doing how I was going to do on like my next test and what it mean for my future and I just had like anxiety about classes and course and everything yeah so it was almost like you had reached your pain threshold yeah like <laughs> you're like I'm reading my I'm reaching my point of pain threshold and I just can't stay here anymore Right. (laughs) So true. Like I literally cried so much during like the last couple of semesters where I was like really struggling. And I I expressed that to a lot of my close friends or professors. And I actually had one professor who was who told me just like straight up, like, you're like hitting a wall and you keep hitting this wall. So like Mm -hmm. maybe you should do something you know, like you, you have to change the direction you're going because at this rate, like it, it's not sustainable for you. Yeah. It was almost like you were forcing yourself to keep going and every yes. signal was telling you like you're going the wrong way. Yes, <laughs> that, that was definitely it. <laughs> yeah. So I like to kind of ask these questions separately. So now we understand why you were no longer liking chemical engineering, what it was doing to you mentally, emotionally, physically. So how did you then start to realize that the correct pivot was to chemistry? Like what signs were you seeing? I know you kind of said it was practical, but what else was under there? 
Yeah, so when I was in chemical engineering, um, I also started doing some undergrad research mm -hmm. um, in environmental engineering. Um, because what I actually wanted to do was environmental engineering, but our school didn't have an undergrad environmental program. And so when I joined that research lab there, um, I was working with a postdoc and he, he, his background was chemistry and we were testing this polymer. That, so that was my, the focus of my project was to test the applications of that polymer in removing chromium from wastewater. Mm -hmm. So he had all this like chemistry knowledge and I'm just an undergrad and I didn't really understand any of it. I've like barely understood like how to run the experiments and process the data, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I totally know. <laughs> yeah, so so from that, from like talking to him and then eventually um, presenting this project at undergrad research day, I had a chem professor come up to me and he was like, what is the synthesis or the mechanism for this, for this, app, this product? And I was like, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I told him, like, oh, I was not involved in that. and I didn't research it. But I kind of, like, just dodged the question. And then that was when I realized, like, dang, I need to go learn some more chemistry. Because this chemical engineering, they don't even touch that, you know? Like, they touch it maybe, like, for, like, your fundamentals. But then mm -hmm. in the actual courses, it's like, they don't talk about any of that. And that's the stuff that I wanted to learn. Mm, so it was more about getting an even deeper understanding of what you're doing engineering wise. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So you were kind of mentored in a way by this professor to kind of see chem chemistry as your next step. Yeah, it was like that was like the first thought, like when I, I first thought about it, but I was still like committed to engineering. I was like, I came in as a chemi and mm -hmm. I heard this like our stats were like 400 undergrads come in, 40 come out. So like only like 10% oh, graduate yeah, from our program. What so school is like this? University of Houston. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. So no wonder your classes were crazy hard. They like want to weed you out. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's crazy. So then what was like the final straw that you were like, I'm ready to put in paperwork and choose chemistry? Oh, the final straw was when I visited my advisor and she was like, you did not do that well this semester. After like the semester I was on academic probation. Yeah. And then she was like, you're about to be put on suspension. And I was like, excuse me? Oh, you're giving me the chills. I probably would have burst into tears if I heard someone tell me that. I did burst into tears. <laughs> Like right in her office and then she was very nice though like she had always been straightforward with me from the beginning she was like look you're struggling now like you probably should consider a different path but I didn't listen to her then but then this time she was she was also trying to comfort me she was like I know it's like really hard right now but I've known other people who've like gone farther in this program than you still failed but then now they're like doing this and this and this and so she gave me like a little bit of hope there. She was like telling me that I could still like turn it around, um, but I just had to get out of it. Otherwise, like I would be delayed because I would be put on suspension and then I had to like get back into the program and then like all my classes would be delayed. Wow. I feel like sometimes people don't recognize the power that a counselor really does have over your, your trajectory. Yeah. And I'm really happy that she gave you at least some kind of like encouragement Instead of saying, like, hey, you're failing, like, good luck, figure it out. <laughs> she was like, hey, you're failing, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. 
Like you can fail forward in this and make a decision that puts you ahead of where you are right now instead of just falling back into it. So was, is, was it at that moment that you decided, okay, I'm done with chemical engineering. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was like when I finally made the switch, but like I knew during the semester that I was on probation, I had already like started planning. I was like, if this semester doesn't go well, I need to have like a backup plan that I can just execute if I get to that point. And so like I had already had it in the back of my mind. But then when I got to that point and she told me that, I was like, okay, time to do paperwork. <laughs> All right, I'm t- it's time. So was it also a decision out of like safety and security? Yes, that was definitely it. I know my friends, they were telling me like, you definitely could have continued. Like they had belief in me, but I didn't have belief in myself at the time. So when I switched, it was, it was safety and knowing that like I could graduate a little bit earlier. I mean, it was still late, but earlier than if I had stayed in engineering. Um, I could like save my GPA because I also had plans at that point to go to grad school. So I was like, I can't risk my GPA going any lower than it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just trying to like preserve whatever I had left and try to like make it make the best of that situation. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. You're like, what can I do to survive? What can I do to protect myself to still reach the goals that I want to reach? Maybe you weren't like the most passionate about chemistry, but it. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, it's still part of what helped you reach your main goal Mm -hmm. and helped you, like, you know, go through the rest of your studies much healthier, right? Like, what, when you were in chemistry, what were the differences you saw as your, in yourself once you were studying that? Yeah, so when I switched to chemistry, um, because I already knew I was on a timeline, Um, And I was, again, like in that self-preservation mode. I was like, I just like recommitted myself to my classes and all those things. And before that, I had been kind of overextended, as most college students are. I was like involved. (laughs) I had like a part-time on-campus job. I had a student organization I was leading. and, And then, of course, classes and then, you know, the normal distractions. And so when I switched to chemistry, I was like, okay, I gotta like scale back on these things. I just like completely changed like how I approached school because I knew I was already behind I didn't know any of my classmates and I had to I had to somehow stand out even though I was a newcomer you know you almost had to work twice as hard to make sure you like leveraged yourself because of where you started but it's also kind of beautiful to think of because had you not kind of experienced what you did with chemical engineering, you might not have gone as hard and been as committed to chemistry. Am I kind of right to say that? Yeah, I, I think that's totally true um, because because I think I, I had a lot of that um, motivation where I was like, okay, I, I want to like not feel like a failure anymore. <laughs> um, and, and then finally I was put in like labs and my chemistry classes where I was, it was much more manageable for me. Mm-hmm. And and then I felt like there was less competition in chemistry than in engineering. I don't know if this is true everywhere, mm-hmm. but I felt it. And that also really helped that the environment was much more collaborative and the professors themselves were much more uh, welcoming than they had been in engineering, and at least in my experience. So I love that with your experience in chemistry, you just felt a better sense of community And then that also just encouraged you to perform even better. Like the healthier the environment, the better you can serve what you're studying. (laughs) Yep. I wish all universities understood that. Oh my goodness. So 
let's talk about post-graduation. And you're a step ahead of me. I have not yet started my full-time job, but I know that you have. So why don't you kind of tell us about your, your job right now and what that's been like for you, that transition? Yeah. So I, in my last semester of undergrad, I was like in between deciding to like go to grad school or apply for a job. So I did both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't know what will happen. So anyways, after about three months, I finally got a phone interview and then like an in-person interview at the company I work at. And I somehow got the job offer <laughs> and then, and then um, they were like, okay, when can you start? I was like, well, I'm in school right now. And they're like, okay. Um, so wh- when can you start? I'm like, after I graduate. <laughs> okay. So let's like, can you start January? I was like, okay, sure. So like three weeks after I graduate, I started my first job. Uh, and so at my job, as I mentioned, I'm a technical service specialist, which is like technical services, like our customer service, we just we help our customers deal with product and our product is polyvinyl alcohol resin, which is a polymer um, most commonly used in water soluble film or most commonly seen as water soluble film, which is um, like the plastic outside of the Tide Pod. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we make that and it's also used in a bunch of construction and adhesives. Um, and also fun fact, it's in these, uh, those peel off masks that those face masks, you know, that peel off. Yeah. So in that job, I just run a lot of experiments, write up technical reports, um, collaborate with sales and marketing about to communicate like the feasibilities of different applications for our product. And how has that transition from full-time student to full-time in your job been for you? Uh, I would say at first I was not used to the, just like all the free time. I had after work. Mm-hmm. That was like the one, the, the biggest thing. Like it felt uh, super foreign. Like you didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I really did it. I was just like, oh, I come home and I can just chill. Like this is like, like there's no homework. There's no hours of studying. <laughs> yeah. So that was one thing. The second thing, and I, I don't know if it's just like being in the chemical industry, like manufacturing industry, but a large majority of my coworkers are much older than me. So I am the youngest person, mm. also the newest person. My coworkers are like 40 and up. They have family, they have kids. They're just like in a completely different phase of life. Yeah. Um, So that's like the one thing I've been struggling with is dealing with the, I wouldn't say loneliness, but it's just, just not being in an environment where you have like people your own age, like in college, right? Like you, you were always around people your own age, you know, can talk about those inside jokes that they're like on social media and all that stuff. Like they all make sense, you know, but like here they're just very, very like removed from where you are normally. And so you have to learn, or I had to learn how to communicate with them differently. And that's been like a real learning experience. Oh, wow. I honestly didn't even think about that transition. Yeah, you go from being around people your own age, your own, the same milestones in life. And then you're in a completely new environment with a bunch of people who are just not relatable. Yeah, you just don't feel... Like, it's not as, like you said, you're like, I don't want to say lonely list, maybe, maybe just a sense of feeling like an outlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you've been in that job since January. Have you, do you feel like that's kind of gotten a little better at all? Um, So I've been in a job since January, 2019. So it's been like a a year and a half. And 
I feel like when I first started, I didn't, I was just so excited. I didn't even like notice it. But I think after a year and a half, I've definitely noticed it more. And also like, you know, all your friends are moving on with their lives. And it's just like, you don't have that camaraderie. And I just, that's something I miss. Yeah. Well, I will say that I feel like we kind of have a sense of that on our Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You and I literally never met. You live in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, you live in Texas. Um, I'm in California, and we're literally having a conversation because of our community on Instagram, and I just think that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I love about the science, SciComm, or the science community on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I've met so many people virtually of yeah. course, um, and they're just like so supportive so I'm really grateful for that. So I do kind of want to dive into social media because I know that's part of your journey like you said it's part of your side hustle right? Yeah. <laughs> so I really would love for you to talk about your side hustle what it is and why you started it. Okay yeah so I run uh, a branding and web design side business um, specifically for scientists or people in STEM or organizations in STEM. I actually started this as like a side project because I had too much time, like too much free time. And (laughs) I was like getting kind of antsy. And one day on Twitter, I saw a post from from her STEM story, the podcast. Yes. And so Prasha was looking for volunteers for her STEM story. And so I just reached out to her and I, I just wanted to like do something. And it turns out she was looking for a branding manager. And I had some experience in that, like in college, designing, marketing, and some previous web design experience, like on my own back in like Tumblr, I like learned how to code. Yes, Tumblr, oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, like I, I wanna try this, right? And so me and Prasha spoke. And then she welcomed me to the team. And that was like my unofficial side hustle start. Got Um, it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And then after a couple months of that, Prasha had been like super encouraging. She was like, I really think you should make this your side business. Like you would do so great. And she said all these wonderful things. But I was still very hesitant to, to start mostly because I was kind of concerned about money. I was like, I have to put out money to make money. And I was like, can I really do this, you know? But then one day, sometime in September of last year, I just like bought my, the website package, like the hosting. I had already had the domain name and so I bought the website package. I was like, okay, this cost me $100 and it's gonna last me three years. So all I have to do is make back $100 in three years and this will have been successful. (laughs) But so that's how I got started. Um, But actually when I first started out, I thought I was just going to do web design for like anybody who wanted it, right? But as I got to know the science community more and more, uh, I actually realized that a lot of scientists don't have an online presence or if they do, it's mostly just limited to their social media. And Right, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. That's yeah, like true. yeah, like they have like on their Instagram or their Twitter, which is all great. Um, but I was also wondering like why they didn't have a have their website. And then as I got to talking to some of my um, peers who are about to go to grad school and some of my online friends who are in grad school, a common thread that I got a feeling that I got from them was that they didn't really feel like 
they deserved a website. Like they're like, I haven't really done anything. Like, why do I need a website? You know, like who am I to have one? And I, I can totally relate to that as well because like when I first started out in undergrad, when I first switched to chemistry, I actually started a science blog and I, I thought I was going to be a writer. And so then I was writing for a couple months and then I was like, oh, who's really listening to me? You know, so then mm-hmm. I just stopped. But then when I became a web designer and, and I was doing web design, despite like not having any web design experience, I was like, the same thing applies to scientists. Like you're doing science every day. Yeah. Like you're a scientist, like you need to share your work with the world. You need to share your story with the world because like, you know, somebody is probably looking for someone like you. They want to know, they want to learn from you, you know, and like that won't happen unless you like put yourself out there. I relate to that so much and you're a hundred percent right. Like everybody should be sharing their story because I promise you there's someone who's been looking for someone to admit the things that you've been admitting openly or to share parts of your journey that people just resonate with and find a little piece of themselves in. And so you've been helping. So I love how you niched down to helping STEM specific people. And that's something that I've noticed too, like in my podcast, I interview people who switched out of STEM into what I call like soul-centered careers. And I love that like so many times, even though they switch out of STEM, they still incorporate it somehow. Mm -hmm. Like your side hustle is about web design and branding, but it's still closely connected to STEM. And that's something that I absolutely love and appreciate. And something that I want people to recognize is like, even if your major isn't exactly what you're doing, it'll still lead you to what is for you at some point somehow, right? Yeah. Um, I think I I watched this video the other day where this woman, she was talking about her personal statements and how like you have to pretend like all your life choices make sense. And I think that it does make sense when you look back to it like you mentioned before, like, had I not been in engineering, I wouldn't have had that motivation to succeed in chemistry. And so like, even though like, when you're going through the process, you feel like, kind of confused or lost, and like, you don't know what to do. You get to the end, and you look back, you're like, now you see how everything lines up, or like, how one thing led you to another thing, which finally led you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah, no, when you posted that in your story, like, I had never had someone say it in that way. And I don't know why it resonated so hard. You said something like, tell your story as if every decision you made, made sense. Because Mm -hmm. it does. Like, every choice you make, you had a reason for doing it. And I don't know, it made me even start thinking of my own journey. Like, had I not struggled so much in engineering, had I not had this, like, identity crisis when I wanted to switch out, I would not have started this podcast. It could not have been born without the pain that I experienced. And so like the decisions make sense. It was so cool for me to like have that perspective shift. But where is that from again? You said- Um, Yes, I can definitely send you the link. Um, It's a video by Dr. Uh, Ritu Raman. Um, It was originally about five tips to write your NSF proposal. So it was very specific for a fellowship, but I I felt like that advice just made sense in general. And it is really something like more people should consider because I know that like when you're in college, you feel like every decision is like so important. And you're like, at least in my case, I was afraid to make the wrong one, right? And so I I just like kind of lived in fear, like I don't want to make the wrong decision. 
Um, but now that I've been like writing personal statements and just like reflecting on my journey, I feel like it really does make sense now. Yeah. So speaking of your personal statements, fellowships, why don't you kind of talk to us about your grad applications and what you're applying as? Yeah, so I am planning to apply uh, for PhD programs in material science and engineering. Um, and the reason I got here um, was mostly because of my, my work. Um, a lot mm. of the work I do is very closely related to material science and engineering. Now, I didn't realize, I think like two years ago, I wouldn't have imagined myself being here because I thought that I was gonna go to grad school for chemistry, for uh, specifically chemical biology, um, which was just something I had done in my undergrad. And I was like, okay, I'll just like do what I have some knowledge on already and I'll just continue yeah. it. But of course I didn't go to grad school. I went to work because I always had this doubt in my mind, like I'm not 100% sure on grad school right now. I'm not 100% sure on chem bio. So, so I went to work and then thankfully throughout like the past year and a half, I like learned more and experienced more where I now realize like, thank goodness I didn't go to school for chem bio because I would have hated it. It would have been such a struggle. Yeah. It's like, like, you know, there's certain struggles, like, of course you will struggle and everything, but like when you enjoy it, when you like it, the struggle is more bearable than when you just feel like you have to go through it because you already committed to it. Yeah, it has a deeper reason other than it's what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I know a lot of undergrad students can feel this pressure to go straight into grad school. And if they mm -hmm. don't, that like something's wrong or they're behind or something. Yeah. And I really, really applaud you for being able to listen to yourself, but outside of the pressure that you were feeling. I know that that takes a lot of bravery, a lot of courage to be like, wait, regardless of what I'm feeling, the outside is telling me to do, I just can feel in myself that I shouldn't go to grad school yet. Mm -hmm. and I think that other students can really benefit from your example to kind of have that same courage in themselves to kind of reflect like, what am I doing for me versus what am I doing for, you know, pressure or um like wanting to avoid fear basically yes. <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm really grateful that you're sharing that cuz even i kind of needed to hear that i also was pressured from my professors to go straight into a grad program like it was so hard for me for the first time to say no to school mm -hmm. like i had always been choosing what i was supposed to be doing and kind of being at the whim of school's expectations of me and being able to say no for the first time was so scary, but also so liberating. And yes. then now you get to say yes to what you want to say yes to. Definitely. You know? Um, anyway, I'm kind of rambling, sorry. But <laughs> something that I also wanted to kind of go back on was obviously you have your side hustle, you have your job, but you also have this love and passion for music, specifically classical music and orchestra. I really want you to talk about what you did in your undergrad and how music is still a meaningful part of your life. Yeah, so music has always been a part of my life. Um, I started piano when I was about four or five. Um, and then around like 10 or 11, I picked up violin. And so music was has always, I guess my 
has been my original side hustle <laughs> because <Hey. laughs> I would go to school and then in the evening I would practice and then on the weekends I take lessons and yeah so that was the original side hustle um and so then when I got to college it was just like this huge disconnect because I was going to class and school is important of course but then I was like I miss orchestra um and and I really wanted to join the school orchestra, um, which accepted everybody, but it was also unrealistic for me because they were like, oh, you need to come to rehearsal three hours twice a week. I'm like, that's six hours that I could be studying for my classes. Yeah, what? Yeah, and so then um, me and my friends, we got together and we made like a little string quartet and that was cute, but uh, we were like, this isn't cutting it. Like we want, a real orchestra. You want the full orchestra experience, okay? Yes. Yeah, that's that was definitely what we were going for. We we're like, we we're like, does anybody actually want this? You know, so we just kind of asked around. Like, I asked my friends in class, my people down the hall who lived down the hall from me, and I, because I knew a lot of them had done orchestra or band in high school, and. So eventually it, it, it kind of got around to a point where they were like, so when are you starting this? I was like, oh. Oh, it became real now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, I asked too many people and then now like, I'm gonna make it a real thing. But, um, but then we did, me and my friends, we, we started it up and in our, our first semester, we had like 40 people join. We had a legit orchestra, like we had like violin one, two, viola, cello. Yes, oh my yeah. God, I love that. You had 40 people. Yes, we had like whole wind section. We had percussion. I was like percussion. Oh, it wasn't just a string orchestra. It was a full was a orchestra, full... literally. <laughs> it was a full orchestra. Oh um, my God, that's so cool. And you, so you founded that. Yeah, so me and my friends, yeah, we founded that organization back in 2015. Um, and that orchestra has been like one of the highlights of my college career. Um, not just because like we started it, but also I, found a community there. I also like learned a lot of professional, personal development skills, like like all those things. Yeah. I credit back to that to the orchestra. I seriously have such a love for for my past history with orchestra and and I so I played the viola. Mm -hmm. I played the viola for like 8 years like like started in elementary all through middle and all through high school and I let it go when I started college. But like if I had gone to the same university as you, girl, best believe I would have joined, okay? <laughs> yes, you would be my, like, ideal client for the orchestra. I, that's what I was trying to find. I was trying to find people who are, like, who loved it so much. They didn't want to continue, but they were like, but where do I go? I'm like, you can come to I us. got you. <laughs> I'm curious to know, like, what, what kind of majors were these people? Oh, my gosh, yeah, we had people from all kinds of majors. We had a bunch of engineering majors, STEM majors, like humanities, business. We had everybody, like one of each kind, everywhere. Uh, we even had music majors. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. They yeah. just wanted to keep playing. Yeah, it was that. Also, sometimes we needed some people to fill up some spots because we were like, we're missing cellos, you know, it's sometimes kind of hard. Um, yeah. But I think the appeal was that we were playing music that um, it was still classical, but it maybe was like arranged to be a little bit easier or like uh, just not as intense because we didn't the purpose of the orchestra was not to play like high caliber music it was mm -hmm. to play music because we loved it 
So that's why we wanted to find um, pieces that were more accessible, not just for like the players, but also to our audience. So like uh, more popular classical music or even like film music, um, game, video game music. Yeah, so we did all those things and it was really fun. One of my favorite pieces that I remember playing at one of our like high school performances was Harry Potter. I don't know if we've ever played Harry Potter actually. It was so much fun. And you like yeah. dance while you're doing it because you're, yeah. like, you're familiar with the songs. Oh my God. I feel like that would have totally changed like my stress levels in, in college if I like had that outlet to like play my instrument in between studying. I don't yeah. know if that's how you felt. I, I definitely felt that way. I also felt like, like we were, we are also like low commitment, not low commitment, but like time-wise, because we only were like two hours per week. And then um, again, the music wasn't so difficult where you had to like really practice. So like when you play, yeah. you could just enjoy it, you know, but it was still, there were some like still some challenging parts where it's like, you can feel like you're getting a little bit better and you're just like keeping it in your fingers or breathing I guess if you're in the <laughs> yeah no I got you I get you <laughs> I don't know if yeah. our audience gets you but I get you yeah so I think that's the important part um and I think it's just so great that music is just something that you can always go back to you know like even though you haven't played it in a long time it's always something that you can return to yeah thank you I love that and so, oh, I, I kind of put this in my notes. I just wanted to tell the audience on Instagram that I love watching your videos where you're practicing Beethoven. <laughs> so if y'all are orchestra, you know, peeps, check her out regardless of, you know, her branding and all that, you'll also get those gems too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's only when I go home because I have a piano at home. I don't have a piano in my apartment, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's now, now music has just been like something that I get to use to relax when I'm not working on work or my side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I think that's so important. Like, I don't know if this happened to you, but it's something that I was really insecure about as a student. Like I felt like my only identity was student and I never ever prioritized or even spent time having fun or or like developing my interests so like if it wasn't school related I had nothing else to talk about with people like I didn't really watch movies I didn't really listen to music like I didn't have these other outlets that I was you know like like I used to tell people I don't have interests I just have preferences like mm -hmm. if you asked me what I prefer I could answer but do I have things I'm like super interested in and do outside of school? No, all I ever have energy for is school. And so I love that you're kind of showcasing so much like multifaceted passions um, as like a holistic STEM persona, you know? I like saying that you're not just a STEM mind, but you're also like mind, body, soul. And I think yeah. you really showcase that today in our interview. So I kind of want to start wrapping up. We have a couple, about 10 minutes left. And so what I like to do at the end of each episode is kind of ask you the advice that you would give the audience. So what advice do you think you could give? Would it be like branding advice? Would it be switching out of majors type of advice? Would it be, I don't know, what, what do you feel is in your heart to kind of tell the people who are listening? Yeah, so I think my advice would be regarding um, 
the switching because that was a really, I had to really think about that one. And it was a very hard decision to make. And for me, I am like a more type of fearful of the future type of person. Yeah. And the thing that really helped me though was doing all the research I possibly could about like my different options. Like, cause I already knew I wanted to get out or like I had, I might be eventually like be pushed out, right? So I was like, I have to have a backup plan. And so my advice would be to do all the research you can before you switch, um, like to talk to your current advisor, to talk to your future advisor, whatever program you're looking to, towards, um, talk to the STEM counselor at your career center or something like that, um, to ask them about like, like what can you do to, like better market yourself for jobs if you if that's what you're looking for mm-hmm. um, to make an action plan and to have a deadline for it like I told myself like if I get to the end of the semester and I still didn't do any better like I'm switching and like stick to it you know yeah um, and having knowing that I had that backup plan um I would say it eased my mind but I'm now that I'm thinking about it it may have also like not push me because I already knew I had a backup plan, but, um, oh, I see what you're saying. It yeah. like enabled you in a yeah, way. <laughs> it, it could have, but the point is, it's like, um, you can't rely on just like the advisor to tell you what you need to do or what like you're missing, for example. So it's like important for you to do the due diligence yourself, um, to see, like what classes you're missing or like when you have to take certain classes, like you have to be prepared um, and ask all those questions to your advisor and um, then you can make an educated guess as to like where you want to go from there. Yeah, no, I love that advice because I feel like it also kind of goes on to in high school, we're kind of told like, what to do and what your next step is and I really think that university is the time where you start gaining confidence in your ability to decide things yourself and not always having to look for someone to tell you what to do so the sooner you can start exercising that muscle like I think Brittany's advice is absolutely perfect like take matters into your own hands start trusting Kind of like what she said earlier, that every decision you're making is makes sense. Just mm-hmm. tell yourself that. I kind of, honestly, I feel like I could have made that my mantra in, in university because kind of like you, I had so much indecision because every decision I saw as a possibility had so much fear around yeah. it that I didn't feel confident definitively choosing something. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's part of the reason why I stayed in civil just because of the familiarity and the history that I had. And I had so much fear of like going a different direction that I just stayed where I was. And I think your advice is just a hundred percent on point. Like do your research, empower yourself, Mm -hmm. tell yourself that you're making the right decisions with your own research. And, you know, of course get guidance, get mentorship, and then just tell yourself what I'm deciding is the right decision like so thank you Brittany I will definitely show everybody your website and your Twitter and your Instagram handles in the show notes so I want all of you guys to go check her out and you can also if you're STEMI looking to start your own website 
get Brittany's help in this, in her authority in this space um, and check out her website on how she can help you develop yours. Thanks guys. Thank you for reaching out. I've, I loved all the questions you asked. And so it is. Thank you for tuning in to the Engineer Podcast with Jen Reynoso. I hope you're leaving here feeling a lot more aligned to take inspired action. If you're looking to work with Jen personally, apply to her program, Engineer Your Soulful Semester Schedule at www.engineerpodcast.com. Don't forget to like, rate, and review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And be sure to go to our Instagram at engineerpodcast to connect with our community in the comment section. I hope to hear from you soon, STEMI. Bye for now. And you have officially made it to the advertisement portion of our episodes. The first company that I'm going to highlight is from a dear friend of mine. Her name is Ashley, and her business is named Crowned by Ashley. They provide luxury hair extensions, clip-ins, and wigs at an affordable price that are guaranteed to last over a year with the proper maintenance. Whether you're starting your natural hair journey or are a few years in, looking for a simple, low-maintenance, protective hairstyle, or possibly just wanting to change up your look, Crowned by Ashley is your go-to company for affordable luxury hair extensions and wigs in the Los Angeles and Inland Empire areas. Just search at Crowned by Ashley on Instagram, and don't forget, your hair is your crown. Next is the Be Well blog by Cheyenne. Be Well is dedicated to giving hope, information, and valuable resources to those that battle with anxiety, like myself, and mental health. Be Well believes that people can find healing and strength in their anxiety journey if they choose to, that they have that power to do. Be Well invites everyone to live in wellness rather than illness. They are committed to combating the stigma surrounding mental health and welcoming everyone to be well. Next, we have Latrice, who is a woman of color that has worked as a woman's fashion and jewelry designer for the last five years. She believes that fashion is an art. Style is a ritualistic display of self. She creates designs with intention to adorn the physical as a love letter to spirit. This brand is a creative manifestation. And the mission of it is to reclaim your magic, not only as a woman, but as a spiritual being through sacred adornments and wearable art. She is uplifting black and brown communities through self-awareness and reaching higher consciousness as a collective. You can find her designs at latricemelanie.com. Next is K Elation Candles. K Elation is a leading online store based in Marina del Rey, California. They provide an unparalleled selection of quality hand-poured soy vegan scented candles. Not only do their candles have a slow and clean burn for up to 65 hours, but they have 15 fragrances that'll elate your mind, body, and spirit. They are 100% soy wax vegan with a cotton wick and high quality fragrance oils. Be sure to check them out at kelationcandles.com or at k.elationcandles on Instagram. You'll be elated if you do. And that's it. So if you are a black or brown business owner that would like to have your business slash company slash blog slash influence advertise at the end of our episodes, you can find that survey on our website, engineerpodcast.com.